Shalom, and welcome to Parasha Highlights and Insights. This is Rabbi Avraham Fisher. This week's parasha is Va'era, second parasha in the book of Shemot. Uh, at the end of last week's parasha, Moshe expressed, I guess what we call frustration, that uh, rather than the situation getting better, it seemed to get worse, but Hashem is now telling him that uh, now we'll begin the process of redemption uh, in its completeness, and Hashem will take over. And so we begin the parasha uh, with the renewal of the mission uh, given to Moshe and Aharon. They started it, but it looked like uh, maybe it's not going well. Hashem renews their mission. So Hashem is going to send them once again to B'nai Israel, to the children of Israel. Hashem starts off by pointing out that uh, in the past, when Hashem appeared to the uh, Avot, to the patriarchs, Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, uh, he used uh, one name, uh, but now he is using, uh, or he's focusing on a, a different name. In other words, uh, the name that he used in the past was a name that signified uh, potential, what Hashem is capable of. But now, Hashem is going to do what he is capable of. So this, the name that he's using, the mode in which he's going to relate to B'nai Yisrael, is in terms of fulfillment of these promises. Hashem points out that he established his covenant with the patriarchs, but now he is ready to fulfill that covenant. And Hashem uses various terms of redemption, four terms of redemption that refer to the actual uh, exodus from Egypt, taking them out of Egypt. And the fifth one, which is the ultimate goal, which is to bring them to the land that Hashem had promised to Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Uh, those four terms of redemption uh, are paralleled by the four cups of wine that we drink during the Pesach Seder. And the fifth cup, by going into the land of Israel, that is symbolized by the cup that we pour out for Eliyahu Hanavi, uh, who will be the harbinger of uh, Mashiach, uh, but we don't drink it because uh, Mashiach isn't, uh, isn't here yet. Uh, so, Moshe and uh, Aharon uh, uh, find that B'nai Yisrael do not listen. Uh, Hashem sends them once again to Paro, but he will not listen. Nevertheless, Hashem gives them the command that they are to continue in their mission to try to get Paro to, uh, to accept uh, that Hashem is in uh, control. It's at this point that we have an excursus, um, namely the place of Moshe and Aharon in the lineage of the tribes of Israel. Up until this point, we've known Moshe and Aharon's names, but it's still been rather uh, vague. We know that Moshe and Aharon are from the tribe of Levi, uh, but uh, there isn't much else about their uh, about their background, about their lives, that has been uh, pointed out. And so now... Now that Moshe and Aaron are really beginning the the process of uh, redemption, their mission is going to continue step by step. 
<clears throat> after the initial uh, setback, which Hashem knew about, of course, uh, now that they are beginning this uh, this redemption, uh, we get to know who they are. Now, Moshe and Aaron are from the tribe of Levi, which is the third tribe. Out of respect for the two uh, older tribes, uh, we hear about Ruvain and Shimon first and their descendants, those who went down to Egypt, and then Levi. And there's more detail about Levi. Uh, the ages of Levi uh, and the various children of Levi. And as we focus upon Moshe and Aaron, uh, we find out that their parents' names are uh, Amram and Yocheved, both from the tribe of Levi. Uh, Aaron and Moshe are their sons. We're also told that Aaron marries uh, Elisheva and that they have four children, Nadav, Avihu, Elazar, and Itamar, and that Elazar has already had a child and his name is Pinchas. We return from this excursus to uh, pick up where we left off, namely what is their mission? Hashem says, I am going to harden Paro's heart. Uh, so don't be, don't be discouraged is the implication, uh, because this is all part of Hashem's plan. Paro uh, will uh, have his heart hardened time and time again, so that Hashem can bring more and more of his signs and wonders uh, upon uh, Egypt, and uh, thereby teach B'nai Yisrael. So, uh, we proceed at this point to the first wonder, it's not a plague so much as a wonder, to show that they have been sent by uh, by Hashem, and that is that uh, that the staff, our own staff, uh, when it's thrown down on the ground, becomes a tanin. Now Rashi says tan- that tanin is another word for snake. Other commentaries say that it is a crocodile. But the magicians can do the same uh, wonder, um, uh, Aaron's uh, staff swallows up all of the others but nevertheless because the Egyptians uh, magicians can do these uh, wonders as well Paro hardens his heart and it's important to point out that at this point uh, Paro is, uh, is being stubborn on his own Hashem is not uh, making him stubborn at least not, uh, not yet we then proceed to what we could say is the main theme of uh, Parashat Vaera, which is the beginning of the ten plagues. It's actually the first seven of the ten plagues. And these plagues uh, proceed in a certain, uh, certain pattern, as we will see. The first plague is the plague of blood. First, there is a warning that this will happen, that the waters of Egypt will turn into, uh, will turn into blood. Uh, and then after the warning, the plague takes place. Aharon strikes the waters of Egypt and they turn into blood. The fish, as predicted, die, of course, because they cannot uh, live in a medium that is not water. But the, magi- the magicians are able to do the same. And therefore it seems that Paro is not uh, impressed. Then we come to the second plague. The second plague, which is the plague of frogs, is also preceded by a warning. Uh, and this plague uh, is that uh, Aharon strikes the waters of Egypt, and the waters of Egypt produce frogs, and they are uh, quite literally everywhere. Once again, the magicians are able to do the same. Uh, so 
it is a little less impressive. However, Paro wants the frogs to be removed, and so he asks uh, Moshe to pray uh, for him to remove those frogs, and uh, Moshe does remove the uh, does remove the frogs. Uh, but once again, uh, Paro hardens his uh, heart. It's at this point that we proceed to the third plague, and this is the plague of lice, of body lice. Uh, now, this plague is not preceded by a warning. So, as we'll see, among the elements of the patterns is that the first two plagues uh, are preceded by a warning, and then, once there's been two warnings, it's uh, not uh, necessary to give a third warning, so the third plague comes without prior warning. You'd think that someone would learn by now. Uh, and so the third plague is the plague of lice. Aharon strikes the dust of, uh, of Egypt, and it becomes lice, and lice, its body lice, uh, are everywhere. Uh, the magicians try to produce lice, but they are not able to do that, and they say that this is the finger of God. Clearly they are impressed, but when the plague goes away, uh, Paro once again hardens his heart. And I repeat, at this stage, it's Paro who's making himself uh, stubborn. We then proceed to the fourth plague. Uh, so after a series of three plagues, two with a warning and the third without a warning, we, uh, we start again uh, a series of three, uh, which will be two with a warning and one without. So the, this plague is the plague... Uh, that is preceded by a warning, and this is the plague of Arov, uh, which most commentaries, based on the Midrash, understand means a mixture of various wild beasts, um, which will endanger the uh, the land of Egypt. Uh, this time, Hashem adds a uh, an explanation for what is to be learned. The first th- three plagues uh, teach that Hashem uh, exists; that Hashem is. Uh, in the land, uh, but with the second set, the purpose is to uh, demonstrate that, that Hashem distinguishes between His people, the people of Israel, and the people of Egypt. So Hashem is not only present, but He also uh, is just, uh, distinguishing between uh, B'nai Israel and Egypt. So this fourth play comes, first wild beasts, uh, warning, and then they uh, come. Wild beasts roam the land. Uh, Paro seems to be weakening, and he says uh, to Moshe, you can sacrifice as you want to, to your God, however you must stay in the land. And Moshe says, well, we can't do that, because uh, what we are going to sacrifice is that which the Egyptians worship, and the Egyptians will stone us. So Paro says, well, okay, you can go, but don't go too far, and when you do this, pray for me. But once again, as the uh, wild beasts are removed, uh, Paro once again hardens his heart. We then proceed to the fifth plague, the plague of Dever, which is a disease that strikes all of the animals. Um, It is preceded by a warning, and because... Uh, Hashem is, tr- is demonstrating that he distinguishes between how he treats B'nai Israel and how he t- treats the Egyptians. He says that he will distinguish his people's cattle from the cattle that belong to Egypt. And so all of these animals 
that belong to the Egyptians die, uh, whether it's uh, sheep, goats, cows, uh, camels, donkeys, even horses. And remember, Egypt's strength as a military power uh, comes through its uh, the fact that it has horses and has learned how to uh, train horses for war. So that means just about every aspect of uh, of Egypt, the uh, agriculture, the military-industrial complex, have all been uh, crippled by the cattle disease. Once again, uh, Paro's heart is stubborn. After two plagues that are preceded by a warning, we have the next plague, uh, which uh, takes place without a warning. And this is the plague of boils. Moshe and Aaron take soot from a furnace, throw it up in the air, and when it descends, all of Egypt have very, very painful boils all over their body. And at this point, the uh, Egyptians are not able to stand before Paro because they are in such, uh, they look so awful, and they are in such pain. But still, Paro is stubborn. We then come to the seventh plague, uh, the plague of Barad, hail, and since this begins another set of three, so it comes with a warning. Uh, Hashem says that uh, anything that is outside, anything, anyone that is outside will be in danger, and, uh, and therefore bring everything inside uh, to safety. And there are those who listen. Uh, the hail that falls is not just hail. There's hail and fire uh, or lightning uh, uh, together, which are uh, unheard of. This causes widespread damage to the crops, however, not in Goshen. And Moshe uh, stops the hail. Um, but once again, uh, Paro's heart is stubborn. And this brings us to the end of Parashat Va'era. Uh, I think it's a good idea to take note of the first three plagues uh, which were brought by Aharon. Rashi makes this point. He says that the first plague, which is turning the water of Egypt into blood, and the second plague, which is turning the, uh, taking the waters of the Nile and having them uh, produce frogs. So both of these are a plague that's brought upon the waters. And the third plague, uh, the plague of uh, lice, uh, is brought upon the dust, dust of the earth, and that turns into lice. In those three cases, Aharon is the instrument. He is the one who smites uh, the water uh, for the first two and the dust of the earth for the third. And Rashi takes note of this. Um, Rashi uh, says that uh, since the water uh, was protective of Moshe, he's referring to the fact that when Moshe was placed in the in the basket by his mother, so he was protected by the water. Uh, so therefore, it's not a pr- it's not proper for Moshe to be the one to uh, bring about the plague against the water. In the case of the first two plagues, that is to say, blood 
and frogs. And as for the third plague, it's also inappropriate for Moshe to be the instrument uh, because the dust also was uh, was helpful to Moshe. That is, when he struck the Egyptian and hid his body in the in the sand. Uh, so the dust of the earth was also uh, helpful to Moshe. So since both the water and the dust, the sand, uh, were helpful to Moshe, it's inappropriate for Moshe to be the one to uh, to smite these uh, two entities. It's uh, noteworthy, and many have uh, noticed this. Um, of course, on the one hand, what we are learning from this is uh, a lesson in gratitude, um, that we should be uh, grateful for whatever benefit we have, and uh, Moshe, in a sense, is uh, grateful, or should be grateful, to the water and to the dust. Uh, on a deeper level, though, uh, it's been pointed out that these entities, the water and the dust, didn't do Moshe a favor in the same way as a person would do a favor as a result of choice. Uh, they were just acting uh, in accordance with the laws of nature. Um, however, it is important to train ourselves, first of all, to be uh, grateful and to acknowledge whatever benefit we receive uh, in whatever form, whether it's something that comes uh, as a result of a decision or even if it's something that is uh, natural, it's proper for us to train our own Midot, our own uh, character traits, so that we become grateful uh, people. I thank you very much for joining me in this exploration of Parashat Va'era. This has been Rabbi Avraham Fisher for Parasha Highlights and Insights saying Shalom.